How can you use beauty is in the eye of the beholder to supersize and grow your business? Sharon Hornelson here. This is a beautiful painting that my granddaughter did for me for Christmas. I think she was three, two or three when she did this. And for everyone that year, that Christmas, she made us all a unique piece of art and painting. Now, I haven't had this framed yet. It does sit in my a, a proud place of honor in my office because every time I see it, it makes me smile because I know how much love she used and put into each and every one of these pieces of art that she created for all of us for Christmas. So beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Would anyone else look at this and think that it is beautiful? I don't know, some maybe some art aficionados would or, or some art experts, but for the most part, it's three-year-old art. But it's beautiful to me because I know the intent that was used to create it. And I know the little human being that created it and she is absolutely amazing and so anything she creates I think is is fascinating and wonderful so beauty is in the eye of the beholder how can we use that and knowing that each of us have a different definition of beauty beauty to me is different than beauty to you and beauty to you know your significant other beauty to your kids beauty to your family and friends beauty is a very subjective thing Margaret Wolf Hungerford actually wrote about it first in her book called Molly Bawn, B-A-W-N, in 1878. And ever since then, and even much, much earlier than that, people had the belief that beauty is different for each and every one of us and that it's subjective. Is there some beautiful people that we would consider almost universally beautiful? Yes, but then there's other people that we might not consider universally beautiful. Even in beauty industry, like the modeling industry, some models each and every one of us would consider gorgeous. Others would be like, nah, not so much. Yeah, she's pretty, but is she beautiful? Again, degrees of definition are always up to us. They're always subjective. And it doesn't just apply to beauty, right? Everything that we name and call and, and how we communicate is subjective. Um, you can say, one thing to one person and they'll think of it as a, a compliment. You can say the same exact thing, same tone, same everything, same intention to another person and they can take it as an insult. The receiver is the person that decides really what anything means. And it doesn't mean that their definition is correct. It just means they interpreted it a certain way. So how can we use this for our business? How can knowing that people have different ways of looking at things and different ways of defining things, how can we use that to grow our business? Well, the first way is by knowing what the people we want to serve consider attractive or beautiful. We want to attract the people we want to serve to us. We want to repel. Yes, we actually want to repel. Think bug spray. The type of people and customers that we don't want to work with, that we don't want to serve. This is a hard lesson to learn. I think when we first get started in business, and I was guilty of this as well, we think that we want everyone to buy our products and services. And then we start selling to everyone and we realize it's really hard to sell to everyone. Not only that, it's really not fun to sell to everyone because some people, believe it or not, don't make awesome customers. And they're, or they're awesome customers, but for somebody else, they're not necessarily the best customers for us. And the cool thing about having your own business is you get to pick and choose and decide the type of people that you want to serve. Uh, for example, over the course of my life, I've been in businesses where, you know, pretty much anybody that wanted to, to buy our, our food products could buy our food products and eat them. Were they for everybody? No, we made handmade Italian food. Is handmade Italian food high in carbohydrates? Yes. 
during an eras and eras because it was for decades there were people that hated our products that had never tried them and never touched them only because they had flour in them and they had carbohydrates in them and so they automatically hated our products and our company just because of the ingredients that we used to make our, our products and, and services and did we care no we weren't selling ravioli to everybody we were selling it to the people that love Italian food authentic homemade Italian food and wanted our products and services so we can use that to attract the people we want to attract and repel the people we don't want to actually serve or that our products and services aren't for it's not that we don't want to serve them but they don't have any reason to buy our products and services everybody doesn't need a Rolex watch everybody doesn't need or want a Mercedes they just don't it, you know we're all different and that's what makes the world fun and exciting to be a part of it makes it a lot more challenging and fun to find the people that we're here to serve so you want to look for people that are that define beauty in similar ways as we do define values and things that are important to them uh, the things that we have in common that they can be certain to get from us and create relationships that we have no like and trust with the people that we serve now the one area that I think it's important to not just attract the people that are like you two is when we're hiring and when we're teaming up with people to do projects and, and to create and build our team in our business why because nobody wants a whole group of yes people telling them everything they want to hear or thinking just like they do I've worked in organizations and on teams like that where everything was homogeneous everybody thought the same everybody had the same values everybody had similar backgrounds and we all looked at problems and solutions in a very similar way and that meant that we had a very narrow focus in terms of what we thought was possible and, and how we would solve problems how we would implement projects and we ended up although we were a super tight-knit really click like uh, meaning we clicked together not clicky but we we worked really well together team it ended up being a challenge for us to get the results that we wanted and the speed of results that we wanted because there wasn't enough diversity in our group to bring in other ideas bring in outside perspectives bring in things that caused us to look at situations in in ways that were different ways that were more in alignment with who we were serving were and we ended up actually breaking up that team much to all of our dismay but but rebuilding another team that did have the diversity that we needed in order to make quick decisions in order to have a broader perspective in order to make sure that we were matching the needs and the desires of our customers not just the needs and the desires of us as a team to to feel good about our work now we still felt good about our work on the new team but the new team's results were tenfold what the old teams had been just by adding a diverse group of people with different backgrounds different ways of thinking different different actually different uh, departments in the organization and we even added people from outside the organization to the team to help us get that type of a perspective and guess what we had a couple of customers we had a couple of longtime customers on that team and they were actually our best source of thinking like the customer why because they were our customers so that's the only area of caution that I say hey yep we want to attract people that are like us we also want to be careful not to be too homogeneous or we end up not getting the results that we want uh, the other area actually that I thought about this topic today too is don't judge a book by its cover 
just because somebody looks or acts or speaks or is different than you doesn't mean they don't have incredible value to bring to the organization or bring to the table. Uh, I've, I've hired many people or met many people and, and done a lot of hiring in my years, corporate and for my own businesses. And I found that sometimes people are very attractive. They look awesome in person and on paper. But when you dig deeper and you start to ask questions, it's all on the surface and they really don't have the depth of skills and knowledge and experience that you want for your organization. So again, we all judge books by their cover, but stop, halt, remind ourselves that we shouldn't judge a book by our cover. We really need to dig deeper and investigate and think for ourselves in terms of what is really going on and, and how the fit would be with your organization. That's it. That's all I've got today. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Beauty depends on your business. The importance of actual beauty depends on the industry and the business you're in. If you're in cosmetics or the beauty industry or fashion, beauty and the definition of beauty is, is central and core to your organization. For the rest of us in engineering, manufacturing, restaurants, you know, service industries, beauty, actual physical beauty has very little to do with our business. Love to know your experience with this particular idiom. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Share in the comments below. And I'll, of course, be with you tomorrow with another interesting idiom. What does it mean? Where does it come from? How might you use it to grow your business right now? Take care.